Hey, it's Anita and this is Bitcoin und Co. Hello everybody, this episode goes out on the 24th of December 2020. And although some of us, including me, are atheists, the Heilige Abend or Weihnachten, as we call it in the German-speaking world, is a big thing for families and not to forget a huge sales generator for retail. Like it or not, it's a day that reminds me of my childhood and my grandparents. Since all of that is gone, I'm glad to know that there is a small community of people out there listening to my show. That's comforting to me. And if you do not feel so well today and are alone, let me tell you, I think of you. And there's a bigger force out there that is connecting us all. It sounds weird, but Bitcoin is a network of people who want to connect, to be productive and to have exchanges with other people. Bitcoin has had a positive impact for millions of lives worldwide. And I'm not talking about price or speculation. I'm talking about a tool for fairness and freedom. Thank you for listening. And now on to today's guest. It's Chris Tremont. He's the co-founder of Scarce City, an online marketplace for Bitcoin-related art and collectibles. We are discussing the possibilities to auction and verify digital art with Bitcoin and Lightning and how this can enable a new renaissance and completely new art forms. There's a video version of this interview on my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Anita Posh. And if you want to get updates about the most interesting stories in Bitcoin from my point of view, please subscribe to Anita's Weekly out every Friday. Subscribe at anita.link forward slash subscribe. The show notes for this episode, you can find them at anita.link forward slash 91. And as always, if you have a question or want to send some feedback, send me an email to hello at anitaposh.com. And now, a short word from my sponsors. Searching for a solid Christmas present for your beloved ones? Running out of time till Christmas? I have a great gift idea. The Card Wallet Christmas Edition brought to you by Coinfinity. The best way to gift your loved ones an easy and secure Bitcoin storage. The safest option to store cryptocurrencies is offline and physically. The Card Wallet is enabling exactly that and is a professional cold storage solution. No software updates needed and it leaves no traces on the blockchain, which is good for privacy. Read more on hohohodl.com and enjoy premium shipping until Christmas. Local Bitcoins is one of the most trusted and the largest peer-to-peer -peer trading platform in the world. On Local Bitcoins, you can buy and sell your Bitcoins in an easy, fast and secure way, always protected by escrow. Local Bitcoins allows you to trade directly with people like you, and you can choose any currency you prefer to complete your trade. Local Bitcoins also offers a web wallet, so you can trade and deposit and send out your Bitcoins all in one account. Go to www.localbitcoins.com to buy and sell Bitcoin. Shift Crypto and the Bitbox O2 Hardware Wallet. 
To be financially independent, it is important to hold your own keys. Shift cares about making it easy for you to keep your Bitcoin safe. The Bitbox O2 is Swiss-made and makes it simple to store and use your coins. I especially like that they have a Bitcoin-only edition too. And I can use the hardware wallet with my phone. Check out the Bitbox O2 at anita.link forward slash Bitbox O2. You will get a 10% discount with the code ANITA in the checkout. And as always, thanks to the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network for sharing my show. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Chris Tremont. Chris is the co-founder of Scars City, and I would say online marketplace where you can buy Bitcoin artisan goods or Bitcoin themed goods uh, for Bitcoin and Lightning. Chris, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Anita. Thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for spending the time with me here. So, Chris, um, explain at Before, let's start with a little introduction. Um, tell us who you are, what you did before, and how you found Bitcoin. Sure. So I, I guess I started off as uh, an industrial engineer, which um, essentially I was working for retailers, helping them get objects from point A to point B safer, quicker, cheaper. Uh, did that for a few years and, and got kind of burnt out by it. And uh, Decided what's next, and uh, I got sucked into tech startups shortly after, uh, and I've been working on a variety of different tech startups for the past 10 plus years, and I got into Bitcoin in 2017, so still consider myself somewhat of a freshman <laughs> to this space, uh, but since going down the initial rabbit hole, it's uh, basically consumed as much of my attention as possible. And I uh, got to a point where I decided I had to create a business in, in Bitcoin if I wanted to be productive as a professional. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everybody wants to start to build immediately or do something as soon as one gets into the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Um, yeah, uh, interesting because so that seems you were, were working in e-commerce. Yeah, so that's my background. Uh, retail is something that I, I feel like I have a good grasp of. So when I was looking to enter the Bitcoin space, retail e-commerce was an area where I felt most confident. Mm -hmm. And where did you find Bitcoin and when the first time? I think I first heard about it in the early days, probably Silk Road uh, immediately dismissed it for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, Seeing it being used as a medium of exchange uh, didn't seem sustainable to me. The one thing I did understand early on is that it did, it was disinflationary, it had a supply cap and had a good enough understanding of economics to know that disinflationary currencies don't uh, incentivize spending. Uh, so I, I had the feeling that it would kind of die from that. I, I also had a hard time making the mental leap that uh, people in mass could adopt a new currency, uh, essentially magic internet money that wasn't backed by you know, what currencies are traditionally backed by, which is either you know, precious metal or governments with guns. Uh, so dismissed it the first time around. I think, um, I, think I, was, I was 
more ready for it uh, by 2017 for, I think, you know, one main reason comes to mind is uh, paying attention to what was going on in the global economy and, and realizing that you know, the central bankers of the world were going to continue to kick the can down the road, continue to print money. Uh, I, I started seeing the effects that this was having on society, specifically related to inequality. Uh, and it made me angry. Um, and I think it made me most angry because I felt like as you know, an investor, and not like I had a lot of money to invest, but it was you know, my money, um, I felt forced into supporting this system that I saw doing harm to society. So I was looking for an alternative. And when Bitcoin started making headlines again in 2017, the store of value narrative was much better articulated. And, and that's something I grasped onto immediately. I think I also read uh, the book Sapiens around that time. And it kind of opened my mind up to Know, people's kind of propensity to create, you know, social constructs, social constructs, uh, and money is a good example of that. Uh, so those two things uh, flipped the switch for me, and from there it was you know, really no turning back. Um, the more I learned about Bitcoin, the more I realized that I had potential to solve a lot of society's issues. And I also saw it as a, a protest of, of consequence. You know, you see social unrest all around the world, uh, but it never amounts to much. You know, there's protests here and there. It makes headlines or, you know, there's a new election and we vote on a new leader. But from the foundation, nothing changes. Uh, and I saw Bitcoin as a way to act in my own self-interest while supporting a new system that had a chance to be more fair and take power away from the individuals who I felt like weren't steering society in the right way. Sounds very much like the same reasons uh, I'm into it. <laughs> and I also came from e-commerce. <laughs> oh, wow. Getting bored with e-commerce, uh, interested in the internet uh, all of my life. I mean, up, uh, from the moment on, the internet existed in a way because like in 97, I was uh, finished my, my studies uh, on the university. And in 97, I also got my first private email account. And <laughs> so wow. I immediately wanted to work in the internet space. And actually, in 27 was the same year with you, as you. I also uh, thought, okay, Bitcoin is the thing. Uh, that's the thing that can change the world to a, to a better place. And it's an, an opt out, basically, and a way to, to vote in a way and to decide for a more sustainable financial infrastructure, as I believe. It's amazing uh, the, the power Bitcoin has to suck people in, you know, not just with their money, but with their attention and their willingness to contribute. And, uh, you know, everybody finds, every there is a place for everyone to contribute. Yes, I think so too. And it's just fascinating to watch that yeah. happen. What is sad is I think uh, that many people, like mainstream or regular people still think that it's just uh, to get rich quick in a way for the people who want to make money and profit and nothing else. I think there's a, a long way of education to be done here. Yeah, I think it was um, Naval who had the great quote tweet. Uh, it, was, it was probably a while back and I'll, I'll butcher it, but it was something like Bitcoin is disguised as a get rich 
quick scheme that has you know potential for real revolution yeah yeah uh, and that just that puts it so perfectly naval has a great uh, or two great podcasts with tim ferris where he's speaking about bitcoin yeah these are these <laughs> yeah you know that was um that first one in 2017 that was a big moment for me i think that's when i was like really convinced and it's really interesting because he just did a, a second one a month ago or something mm -hmm. and uh, i i sent it to my family and now you know after years of talking to specifically my mom about it she's now listened about bitcoin she's now listened to that podcast twice now and uh She's like, you know, if you, as you start to find more interesting podcasts on Bitcoin, send them my way. I'm kind of curious. <laughs> well, I think I think Naval has a, a really amazing way of um, making Bitcoin understandable to regular people. Yeah, yeah. He's finding great words. Um, and how did you live through the bear market then from 2018 on? Oh, God, it was um, it was it was really stressful, you know, I'm, I can't sugarcoat it. Uh, but as I learned more and more about Bitcoin, I became more convicted in it. And uh, it was so helpful just to have so much media uh, about Bitcoin. You know, that's what really gets you through the bear markets is knowing that you're not alone and there are other smart people going through the same thing. Uh, so, you know, I, my belief got stronger and stronger throughout it, but it was, you know, otherwise kind of a, a lonely experience. It's not something, you know, the people that I'm surrounded by in my everyday circles that I could talk about with them. Uh, so I couldn't have done it with, I couldn't have done it without Bitcoin Twitter. That's for sure. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, I don't, I know exactly what you mean. I always want to talk about Bitcoin, but nobody else does. <laughs> Except, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I try, but they, they all get sick of it. Pretty maybe quick. that's a reason why I did this podcast. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's the perfect yeah. way. So, and uh, then you decided in a way you want to work in the space and were looking for a project or how did uh, Scar City come about? Yeah, I was looking for my way in the space. Again, I knew e-commerce retail was an area where I could probably best contribute. Uh, and within the Bitcoin universe, there are a lot of different worlds and I was gravitated to more of the creative aspect of uh, Bitcoin, specifically the Bitcoin art pretty early on. Uh, I think, you know, as you start taking Bitcoin to its logical conclusion and realizing how big this can become, one of my realizations was that the art that's being created today about Bitcoin by real Bitcoiners uh, is going to age to become iconic. You know, I think we're going to look at some of these artworks in, you know, 20, 30 years in the future, and they're, they're going to just look like, you know, the, 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 the relics of uh, uh, the cusp of this renaissance. Um, and then at the same time, I saw some of my favorite Bitcoin artists selling their works on Ethereum marketplaces. And, you know, you don't have to be a, a, a maximalist to know that that just doesn't feel right. Uh, so I started thinking about, okay, what can we do with Bitcoin to sell this art in a more authentic way? Uh, and the first thing I came up with was using Bitcoin's key pairs uh, to prove the authenticity and 
supply of physical items. And to test this out, I, uh, I came across a, a Bitcoin time traveler who was kind of up and coming in Twitter and uh, convinced him to sell some face masks that use this key pair uh, mechanism. Uh, he was all for it. So, uh, you know, I, I found a co-founder at that point to help me build this thing. And we did our you know, minimum viable product and we sold some face masks and went way better than we expected. And uh, from there, we just kind of went running with it. Okay. Can you please explain to our listeners who are maybe, they know something about Bitcoin, maybe not so much about Lightning. What is the special thing now about your, I think it's the world, world's first auction you did um, with Lightning payments. Can you explain that to a newbie or a starter? What's the, the unique thing there? You know, what's the difference to a regular auction? Yeah, so uh, what's unique about Lightning, first of all, is that you can instantly, anonymously, very cheaply send Bitcoin payments that settle immediately. Um, so we've created an auction that uses the Lightning Network to, um, to keep bidders accountable by taking a lightning payment from them with with their bid uh, and you know this lightning payment represents a small percentage of the actual amount they're bidding somewhere in the two to five percent range we're still playing with the right way to structure that but essentially the way it works is if i come across an, an auction on scarce city and i want to bid on the product i put in the amount i want to bid and I am directed to pay a lightning invoice that represents a small percentage of that overall bid. And once the auction is over, the highest bidder has 24 hours to pay the remaining amount they owe on that bid that hasn't already been covered by the lightning payments uh, associated with their bid. And if they do not pay it, then they lose the collateral and the next highest bidder has their opportunity to pay their highest bid for the item. And once the item is paid for, all remaining participants get their collateral back. Mm -hmm. And I guess everything works automatically. So there's no need for an intermediary, like a person who says, okay, he had the highest price or she gets the, article, the, the, the good. As much of it as possible right now is automated. It, it is our first version. So there is plenty of opportunity to improve it across the board. And one of which is reducing our role as the intermediary uh, and using some you know, additional technology in the Bitcoin stack, uh, such as discrete log contacts uh, to create smart contracts that are able to see, okay, this person won the bid. So now it's their opportunity to pay. And because it's now paid for, everybody else in the auction gets their money back. And it's not us pressing buttons to make that. Happen. And you also don't need to hold the, the, the Bitcoin or the Lightning payment. It's in escrow in the Lightning Network. Exactly. Yeah, yeah great. Um, how are you, how did you build that? I mean, which tools are you using? The foundation of it is uh, BTC Pay Server. We, Everything we've done has been with BTC Pay Server. It makes it just so much easier to start 
accepting Bitcoin. Uh, this project would have never have started without it, without it. Okay. And I think the same goes for many other merchants around the world that are accepting Bitcoin. It just makes things so much easier. Yeah, I made an interview with the founder, Nicolas Dorier. Um, I listened oh, to it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, and I also think the the project is fantastic because it's basically for you can use it for free, so you don't have to pay any fee um, to use it, or yeah, then for the transactions, no fees. It's fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, it's really great. It's just watching Bitcoin since I've been involved in in the beginning. It was very much the infrastructure layer that was being built out on the protocol Lightning Network, but also you know, these apps that really serve as infrastructure, such as BTC Pay Server. And because now they are strong and working, uh, now us like kind of consumer facing apps, we can start to build on top of it and it works like Legos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you run a full node, I guess? We do through BTC Pay. Do you Pay. have a Raspberry Pi or is it on a computer? No, we're using Amazon Cloud. Okay. Um, part of it is we're, you know, we're we're both in New York City, and it's it's hard to find a place to put a new piece of hardware. I, you mean what do you mean space wise? So are we? Oh, how? Uh, uh, just, we're tiny apartments. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know, convincing my okay. wife. But you know, a Raspberry Blitz is only like that size. <laughs> oh, is it? Well, it's still it's still be a negotiation. <laughs> trust me. Okay, understand. So, and how many people are on the team at the moment? It's just uh, me and my co-founder, uh, Aryan Jabari. He does all the technical magic. Um, but we have a very strong community. One of the things that came out of our first test sale with the face masks was uh, we got the attention of Chief Monkey, who's become our MVP artist. We did our first lightning auction with his work. He also immediately introduced us to an all-star cast of the Bitcoin art community. Uh, and from the beginning, they've, they've told us everything they were looking for in a Bitcoin-based marketplace. And we bounced all of our ideas and our initial prototypes off of them. And they've just given us tremendous feedback on everything. Uh, so it kind of feels like they're very much an extension of the, of mm -hmm, the team. Super. Now, you mentioned the face masks again. Um, can you explain to me how you do this with the key pairs? I mean, if you have a physical product, how do you make sure that um, you have a key in there somehow? Uh, it's a good question. And this is something we're refining over time. The initial model, you know, we won't be using, but I think we'll be using a, a derivation of it for future limited edition sales that we do. But what we did for this one was, um, it's actually quite simple. When you're going through the checkout process and putting in your shipping information, you are giving a, a Bitcoin address that you own, right? So we never see the private key. The customer keeps the private key and they give us the public address. And that public address, we print physically on the face mask. And we also display that public key with all of the face masks that have been sold. So when you receive the face mask, you can see, okay, this is this is the public ad, public key, public address, excuse me, that I put in with my order. It's printed on my face mask. It's also in this table, so I can see that it's part of the authentic supply. I can also prove to anybody that this is an authentic scarcity face mask by signing a message with the address's private mm, key. But it's not. Uh... 
a unique face mask maybe because you could print another one with the same address well you could print another one with the same address but only that one owner is going to have the private key to prove that yeah, yeah that's real. that's true yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so um who can apply to be an artist on Scar city well, right now we're uh, we're certainly interested in all artists that are creating art related to Bitcoin. Uh, we do have a lot of kinks to work out in our process. It's not uh, just as simple as throwing up an auction and letting people bid. We are dealing with physical items here, so there's a lot of risk in getting getting items from the artist to the owner, and we want to make that as seamless as a process and and de-risk that process as much as much as possible. Uh, so we really want to work that out. We, we are also offering certificates of authenticity that use Bitcoin to uh, prove the, the creator of the work, prove the authenticity of the work, prove the ownership of the work, all using Bitcoin. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a process we're working out. So all of these things, uh, our core group of artists that have been involved from the beginning, they are helping us work through that. Uh, but as soon as we feel like we've gotten our process in a place that's ready for a broader group, we're going to be bringing on more artists. So any artists that are interested, uh, please find me on Twitter, find me on Telegram. I'm easy to find and DM me and uh, we'll try to bring you on as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the business model, the idea for SCAS City in the future? How do you want to make money? We take a small percentage of the sale and, uh, you know, We've tested the limited edition items, and now we've tested original art. Uh, it's it's very clear that uh, there's a strong need from both both artists and collectors for the original art. So I think that's where we really want to focus. But there is an opportunity to bundle limited edition items in with an auction. Uh, so what this could look like is for our next uh, sale, there could be a, an original artwork that goes for auction. Uh, but then maybe there's 21 prints or 21 t-shirts that are sold at the same time as the auction. Uh, and maybe there's also, you know, sticker packs all created from the same artist. So we're putting on, we're putting a spotlight on one single artist, getting as much attention around that sale as possible. And then there's something for everybody when they come in and take a look at that sale. If, even if they can't afford the, you know, $19,000 original artwork, they can buy a T-shirt or they can even buy a sticker pack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Seems a little bit also that, that you then have the community event feeling that you basically also sell with it. Like, I've been at this auction and I got the T-shirt. Exactly. It's an experience and everybody can take part mm -hmm. of it. And how did the first auction go? How many people um, participated? It went really well, uh, way beyond our expectations. You know, we, we battle tested this, this thing uh, in private, but you never know how it's going to go until you throw it into the wild. Uh, but yeah, it was a three-day auction, 19 bidders uh, in total, and I think 53 bids in total. And the total, you know, amount of the bids was almost seven Bitcoin. And the winning bid was exactly one Bitcoin. Uh, so it was uh, it was thrilling to be a part of. 
uh, I think even if you have you know no stake in the auction whatsoever, just observing it was uh, was really entertaining. Uh, there were several moments in the final hour where it looked like the auction was going to end, and then a final bid comes in. We have this mechanism when a bid is placed in the final 15, 15 minutes, the clock gets reset to fifteen minutes. Uh, so it ended up being reset uh, probably four times, and um, there were you know at first four, maybe five bidders that were kind of in a bidding war. And then it was down to two bidders and it, it got just nail biting intense by the end of it. Uh, so we were thrilled by how it turned out. Um, the artist was thrilled with the price tag uh, and um, you know, the, the product worked really well. Uh, you know, nobody was able to, to find a way to scam it or manipulate it uh, and it held up strongly. And, and what was really great to see also is that the final bidder who placed the one Bitcoin bid, they paid the remaining balance of that bid immediately. Uh, so you know we didn't have to worry about, okay, now giving the, the second highest bidder the opportunity to, to pay for it. Uh, it just went, it went perfectly. So, so the people pay a small amount in Lightning for the bid, and then the winner pays, settles the whole amount in Bitcoin on, block, on the blockchain or also in Lightning? Uh, that's right. On the the final amount is paid on chain, mm -hmm. and that's because you know we're we're talking about nineteen thousand dollars here. The in this case, the final bidder they had a thousand dollars locked up in collateral because they had made several bids throughout the auction. Uh, all of those were made on Lightning, and it was amazing to see that. I think their final bid they paid a, there was a four hundred dollar Lightning payment, uh, but that when you get into paying the remaining balance of that of eighteen thousand dollars. That's something that's, you know, you want to do that on chain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You mentioned a new renaissance before. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? What do you think is going to come in the next 20, 30 years in art because of Bitcoin? Yeah, it's a, it's a subject I find really fascinating right now. Um, and I think it's, you know, it starts with Bitcoin in general. We talked about when people get into Bitcoin, so many of them go down the same path of, you know, investing a little bit, learning more, investing more. And then at a certain point, it's all they can think about. So they realize they need to work in Bitcoin and, and directly contribute in, in some kind of way. And that's creating just a whole field of, of new professions. So if you're a technical person, you go on to build, um, software. If you are a, a narrator like yourself, you go on to create content. And if you are, you know, a, a more kind of creative person, then maybe you go on to create art. And there are certainly business models for creating software. There are more and more business models for creating content, uh, but there lacks a good way to make a living as a Bitcoin artist right now. And that's something that we are addressing directly. And we think there's a lot that, that can be done by, um, by creating an open marketplace where anywhere, anyone in the world can purchase the goods that we're selling uh, and you know, having this marketplace aligned with the values of Bitcoin, which we see as being able to, first of all, transact in Bitcoin, but transact pseudonymously uh, and, you know, have your ownership provable, have um, the authenticity and scarcity of the work provable. Uh, we think that opens up to, you know, to, to 
accelerate with the ex exponential increase in Bitcoin holders that are around the world. And uh, if we're able to do that, then these artists, they're going to be able to make more money from creating this art, which means they're going to create more art. And uh, there's a whole ecosystem that can be grown here. And, uh, you know, the way I look at it, it's really special. Um, if you think about artists being able to create work that's truly from their heart, it's, you know, it's the work that they really want to want to create and then being able to find anyone around the world who wants to buy that art. I think about, you know, the traditional Renaissance and uh, some of the great artists then, and, uh, you know, they worked on, they worked on com a commission basis for the most part. The Mona Lisa was commissioned by a, a Venice merchant, I believe, to, you know, paint, paint a painting of, of his daughter. So this was, Obviously, Leonardo da Vinci put a lot of creativity into this, but it wasn't, you know, the idea didn't come truly from him. But it was spon spon um, sponsored work, basically. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now with open marketplaces uh, and a real ownership model for this, this work, uh, artists can now, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Excuse me. Okay better now i think uh yeah artists can now create the art that they truly want to create and they can sell it to anyone around the world and uh, it's just starting with physical goods but when you get into digital goods that opens a whole nother paradigm for allowing allowing this kind of creator renaissance to take place in bitcoin do you think that the, the art forms itself will change through like in digital art, for instance, or through gaming. I don't know. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I think, um, I think NFT art is, it's definitely one of the most contentious subjects specifically in, in Bitcoin. And I, I think it's one of the most misunderstood. Can subjects. you, excuse me, can you please explain NFT art? Yes. So uh, NFT stands for non-fungible token. And basically what it means is that a work of digital art can be associated with a token that has uh, provable ownership and supply. Uh, so if I own this artwork that's on this token, I know that so-and-so artist created this, this token and that there, oh, there's only one that exists uh, and that I am now the true owner of it after I purchased it, which uh, you know, ownership models like this create a lot of potential, especially when you combine them with open marketplaces. Uh, and when I first kind of saw this concept of NFT art, purely digital art that was being sold for thousands of dollars, I was uh, totally skeptical. But as I dug into it, I started realizing that um, under the surface that there were some strong forces already at play. Uh, so first of all, it was, it was clear that there is proven demand from collectors to spend real money on this digital art. And that was incentivizing these artists to create better art. Uh, and when I say better, I mean, you know, because it's digital, it's not constrained to the bounds of a physical world. Uh, you know, you can create animations, more immersive experiences, there's, you know, there's um, a work of art that it changes based on the price of Bitcoin. 
Uh, so you can tether it, you can program it based on um, events in the outside world that can be collaborative where multiple people are contributing uh, to different aspects of the same piece of work. Uh, at the end of the day, this is programmable art. Um, so there's just so much, so many different ways to express it. Uh, and I think we're only just scratching the surface of, of what's possible there. And, you know, I think one of the biggest knocks on digital art is that you can copy paste it and view it just as anybody else. Uh, but there's also this infrastructure layer that's being created because you do have this healthy dynamic between uh, creators and, and buyers. And I think in the future and already in, in some cases, there's going to be ways to experience this art as the owner that cannot be replicated as uh, you know, anybody on the internet who comes across it. Um, so in my mind, the, the flywheel is in full motion here and uh, there's, there's not going to be you know, a turning back for the space. Now, like, again, I think we're just scratching the surface. The exact format of what it's going to look like in the future is really hard to say. I have, uh, I have some wild guesses, uh, but it's, I think it's, this is one of these technologies that's going to take five, 10 years uh, to really understand the potential of. Yeah, I can't grasp it at the moment. I mean, programmable art is new to me, programmable money, of course, but yeah, why, why not? I mean, it sounds like everybody could have his own art form or like personalized art for me, by my artist in a way and, and then absolutely open and globally open for everybody yeah and that's what you know that's what it's all built on top of is these um, ownership models uh, and open marketplaces and when you have that that's what creates the incentives for making the art better and there's also because of it's it's programmable art there's more you can do with it uh, aside from just experience it Uh, you know, it can be tied to exclusive content. It can be um, associated with commercial rights. You know, you can tie in like legal, different legal rights into these, these token models. Uh, you can combine interest-bearing instruments into art, for example. Uh, and again, you know, this is, we just, we just don't know what's going to be possible, but it's clear that the surface area, because it's purely digital, digital, is going to meet much greater than anything we've seen before in the art world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm one of the podcasters who's already um, has his or her own tribe on Sphinx Chat. With mm. uh, They call it Podcasting 2.0. So basically people pay me instantly over the Lightning Network without like doing something, you know. It's like streaming money. This could also be a part of uh, an art form. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is, you know, in the beginning when I said, I think it's a renaissance for all Bitcoin creators, like these, the applications that are now enabled for software developers is creating the new potential for, for new applications for the narrators who are focused on content. Now lightning is creating new ways to monetize your content. And again, there's so much potential in the creative space as well. So I think it's, um, it's, it's a renaissance for, for creators of all types. Yeah, it's a great time to live. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> um, what are the plans for Scar City next year? Big plans for next year. Uh, there's a lot of ways we can improve our auction, our auction which we're you know, heads down on right now. Uh, 
and more tools in, in the Bitcoin stack that we can use to improve our sales. Um, so for example, one technology that we're really excited about is using Lightning as a, um, as a digital login. So instead of creating a, a username and password for a website, you can just scan a QR code with your Lightning wallet and you get all of the benefits of having an account without you know, giving a password, giving up an email address even. Uh, so it's much more private and respective of the user and it's also just much easier. Um, we're also very excited about RGB, which is considered a layer three protocol uh, that allows these NFTs to be created in a new way on Bitcoin. And I think this will give Bitcoin a real chance to bring NFTs back uh, to Bitcoin uh, while, you know, in the past year or so, they've really flourished on Ethereum. Uh, so we want to be pioneers in bringing RGB Bitcoin NFTs uh, into our marketplace and bundling them in again with our original physical art and our, uh, you know, T-shirts and prints and whatever else we sell. Uh, we're also we're we're raising some funding now to help us create all of this faster. We have, you know, we have collectors and artists banging down our door uh, to be able to do more of these sales, and we really want to. Uh, and uh, having a little bit more money will certainly help us deliver faster and, and deliver better products. Uh, so, no, those are the big focuses. Uh, so we're we're excited for for the year ahead. Yeah. Sounds very interesting. Um, also excited for you and we'll be watching you, <laughs> what you're doing. Um, anything you want to add to this conversation? Um, are you looking for developers or you just said you're looking for funds? How can people get in contact with you and what do you want to tell them? Anybody who's interested in what we're building, please reach out to me. Uh, we're certainly looking for artists. We will be hiring at least one developer. We will be hiring uh, a designer at some point. We are looking for investors. Uh, so across the board, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of ways that uh, people can contribute to the project. And if you're just someone who's passionate about Bitcoin art and collectibles, uh, I always appreciate appreciate a DM. Um, so you know, I'm easy to find. My personal Twitter account is ctremount. Uh, but you can DM Scarce City, uh, which is on Twitter. It's um, scarce.dot uh, city, uh, or go to our website scarce dot as in just period uh, city and sign up for a mailing list. We'll we'll keep you updated with all major releases. Super cool. Thank you, Chris. I will put all these links in the show notes that you can find on anita.link forward slash ninety one nine one. And yeah, thank you very much for this interesting conversation. And I wish you all the best for your next auctions. And um, whenever you want to like tell the public something about a new auction or something, just uh, send me a DM and I will share it for you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Anita. This has been really fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. That's it for today. If you like my show, please share it with your friends and hit the subscribe button in your podcast player now. Thanks to my sponsors who make it possible that I can produce the show. Localbitcoins.com, Shift Crypto with the Bitbox O2 and Coinfinity with their card wallet. Music. Start with yes. 
Delicate Beats. Idea, Content and Production, yours truly, Anita Posch.